Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of silent meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in the seven-step prayer. We're going to do the prayer one breath at a time, one line at a time. And in between each line of the prayer, we're going to actually attempt to practice what it's asking us to do or what it's asking us to not do. So, for me, the first line of the prayer is the words, my creator. So I breathe in my creator. And I take a few breaths and I just let those words roll around in my consciousness, my creator. And I just see what that brings up for me. What kind of thoughts, what kind of feelings, what kind of resistance. I am now willing that you should have all of me. Again, I take a few breaths and I think about that statement. Am I now, right now, right here, ready that my creator should have all of me? breathe in, the good and the bad, again I take a few breaths and I just think about those words, the good and the bad, and just see what comes up for me in my willingness to offer all of this to my higher power. Pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character. Again, I take a few breaths and I think about the now. The now of my readiness to have everything removed. All of my defects of characters. that stand in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. Again, I take a few breaths and I think about the idea of me being useful today to God and to my fellows. 
and I breathe out the last line of the prayer. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. And I take a few breaths and I think about the idea of having God's strength to go out from here to do what my higher power would have me do today and being able to trust and rely on its strength instead of mine. And whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. I would encourage you to take a few breaths right now, conscious breaths. You can count them if you want to. But stay connected to your breath with your eyes open, staying present to this moment. Uh, I'm going to walk over and close my front door and my windows because the gardeners just showed up from across the street and they are very loud today. I'll be right back. Okay, so I'm Randy and I'm alcoholic. <laughs> uh, what that means for me is that my body's allergic to alcohol. I can never ever drink alcohol successfully ever again, one day at a time today, forever. Uh, I'm never getting better. I'm never going to become not allergic to alcohol. Uh, if I drink alcohol, I black out. I crash cars, I trash relationships, I lose jobs, I get thrown out of places to live. I never know when I'm going to stop or where I'm going to wake up. That's how the allergy affects me when I drink alcohol. If I don't drink alcohol, I have no allergic reaction to alcohol, none whatsoever. The reason I would drink alcohol today, knowing that I'm allergic to it, is because I have a disease the disease is called alcoholism. It centers in my mind and it talks to me in my own voice today like it has every day since I got it and I don't know when I got it. But the way that it talks to me and the way that it shows up in my life today as, is as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated, self-talking mind that's always in a hurry easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. And because of that mind, because of that self-talking mind that's never satisfied, never, ever, ever satisfied, even when it gets exactly what it told me was the thing that would make it happy, it's still not satisfied. It still wants something else. It still loses interest in it. And because of that, I get into emotional pain. And the self-talking voice gets louder and louder and louder until I'm willing to do anything that will kill that pain. Whether it's drink alcohol, even though I know I'm allergic to it, or put a bullet in my head 
and shut that mind up. I know people that have done that drunk and sober. Uh, I don't know how well it works because they're not really able to check in afterwards, but it seems to be a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Because what I have found in this program is that all of my troubles are of my own making. All of my troubles come from my self-talking mind. I've had things taken away from me that I thought was a terrible thing to be taken away from me, which turned out to be a great thing in the end. And I've had things given to me that I thought, wow, what a great opportunity this is, that turned out to be a nightmare. So I do not know what's good or bad. That's what the seven-step prayer says. Even if I knew what was good or bad, I still have to be in this relationship with this higher power right here, right now, in order to have the intuition to intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. That intuitive guidance that comes from a higher power cannot be learned in a book. It can be read about. I can agree with it, but I can't use it because if I use the intuitive guidance that somebody else wrote about in a book, it's going to be guidance for them for that moment, for when it was the right thing to do because God said so, not because I say so. The intuitive guidance that I need to handle any situation that is baffling me is the intuitive guidance that I need right here, right now, this moment, to get through this moment. And sometimes it's not always the same answer. It's not something I can learn in a book. Sometimes the answer is, is to go along with it. And sometimes the answer is not to go along with it, whatever it is. And I can't know in advance because if I know in advance how to handle this situation, then I'm trusting and relying on my old ideas. I am not trusting and relying on God. I'm trusting and relying on some stuff I learned. And it might be great stuff that I learned. I might've learned it right here in this meeting. I might've read it out of the AA literature. I might've heard it from a great speaker from a podium at a meeting or a guru in India. It might be amazing stuff, but it might not be the right stuff for what I need for this moment right now. And so my attention has to be on this power greater than myself. And if I want to put my attention on that power, I have to clean up the wreckage of my past. So we're looking at step eight. We're in step eight. Um, uh, to get to step eight, I have to do the first seven steps. You don't come into AA and uh, get sober and then make a list of all the people you've harmed. That is not the, that's not the right, um, that's going to be a messy uh, way of handling the steps if you start with eight. Because... I need the humility that's built in steps one through six in order to stand at step seven, where I am now humbly asking it, my higher power, to remove my shortcomings, where I fall short of being the person that I think my higher power would have me be. And when I'm, when I when enough humility has been built in steps one through six where I would be willing to try that today, 
where I would be willing to humbly ask my higher power, what would you have me do today? Could you remove my shortcomings where I fall short of being the person that I think you would have me be today? When I have that humility to do that, I want to run out into the world and do it. But there's a problem with that because I live with people and I, and I interact with people and a lot of the people that I live with and a lot of the people that I interact with, I have harmed in the past. And I would be... Um, it, it would be very hypocritical of me to go out into the world to be this, this person that I think God would have me be without making amends for the harm to the people I've already harmed. Because if I don't make amends to them, they're going to see me as a hypocrite. And they're going to remind me of who I am. And that's going to re-energize my alcoholism and start me back in step one again, over and over and over again. And so the, the purpose of step eight is to start cleaning up that wreckage so that when that is done, then I can go out into the world clean, free of the bondage of self, free of the guilt and the shame of all of the stuff that my mind told me I did in the past that was terrible. And free from the criticism and judgment of the people that I've harmed. Because I do my best to clean up my side of the street. Um, I'm pretty positive I have no idea where we left off. Um, Oh, I think, are we on page 78 in the 12 and 12? Yeah, page 78, these obstacles. Okay, perfect. Thank you, everybody. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read it in the first person because this is, uh, although this is a we program, I'm the only one that can make my list. And I'm going to have to do it. So. These obstacles, however, are very real. The first and one of the most difficult has to do with forgiveness. The moment I ponder a twisted or broken relationship with another person, my emotions go on the defensive. To escape looking at the wrongs I have done you, I resentfully focus on the wrongs you have done me. <laughs> <laughs> this is especially true if, in fact, or in my fancied mind, you have behaved badly at all. So a lot of times when I harm people, they act badly back. And then I use their bad behavior to blame them and let me off the hook. Triumphantly, I seize upon his misbehaviors as the perfect excuse for minimizing or forgetting my own. So I can see that in my life. So this is going to be an obstacle as I sit down to write my A-step. The beautiful thing about the A-step is nothing happens 
except for a list is written. And once I have the list, then some willingness is applied to the list. But I don't talk to another person about any of this, except for maybe my sponsor. And by maybe, I mean positively, absolutely, (laughs) with my sponsor. But I don't have to be afraid to make this list because this is my list. It's not going to be, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to harm me. I'm not making amends in step eight. All I'm doing is making a list and then looking back at the list and looking for the willingness to maybe do something in step nine. Maybe. Right here, I need to fetch myself up sharply. It doesn't much make sense for me, a real toss pot, to call the kettle black. Uh, those are in old English phrases, right? Let's remember that alcoholics are not the only ones bedeviled by sick emotions. I am not the only one bedeviled by sick emotions. Moreover, it is usually a fact that my behavior when drinking or sober has aggravated the defects of others. I repeatedly strain the patience of my best friends to a snapping point and have brought out the very worst in those who don't think much of me to begin with. In many instances, I am really dealing with fellow sufferers people whose woes I have increased. If I am now about to ask forgiveness for myself, why shouldn't I start out by forgiving them one and all? So first I make a list of the people I've harmed. Um, And then I look back at that list and I consider this all, all of the All of the tools to do the the eighth step are learned in the fourth step. And then they're practiced in the eighth step. And then they're applied again and again and again, always in the right now in the tenth step. It's the same tool of self-identifying self, of identifying my defects, of identifying where I'm at fault, and disregarding the other person entirely even if their behavior was bad. The the more and more that I practice step four and step four, in step four, I learn the practice. In step eight, I practice it again. And in step 10, I live it as a way of life. When listing the people I've harmed, I hit another solid obstacle. I got a pretty severe shock when I realized that I am preparing to make a face-to-face admission of my wretched contact to those I had hurt. It had been embarrassing enough when in confidence I admitted these things to God, to God in in the fifth step, to God, to myself, and to another human being. But the prospect of actually visiting or even writing the people concerned now overwhelms me. Don't worry about it. This is step eight. Enjoy yourself. You get a free pass until you get to step nine. You don't have to do anything. 
especially when I remember in what poor favor I stood with most of these people. There were cases, too, where I had damaged others who were still happily unaware of being hurt. Well, that's a funny way to put that. They were, I would say they were unaware, but I don't think they were happily unaware. If they were aware, they would probably not be so happily unaware. (laughs) But I like to think of them as happily unaware because it makes me feel better about myself. Why I cried, shouldn't bygones be bygones? Why do I have to think of these people at all? These were some of the ways in which fear conspired with pride to hinder my making a list of all the people I had harmed. I just need to make a list. It doesn't matter if they harm me back. It doesn't matter if they don't know about it. I need to make the list because I am working towards having a spiritual awakening in step 12. I'm not working towards getting away with some stuff. I'm not working towards getting more money or getting a better relationship with a person that won't see me. I'm working towards having a spiritual awakening. In that spiritual awakening that happens in step 12, or or as a result of these steps, in that spiritual awakening, all of my relationships get better. All of them get better. And the ones that are toxic, they disappear, which means they get better. So there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to stop me from doing this. Just like in the fourth step and in the fifth step, the relief that I got from telling somebody my whole story and getting that burden, that self-talking mind that tells me how different I am from everybody and how terrible I am all the time. This starts to quiet that mind. And when I make this list and I become willing to make amends, I used to feel like I was walking around with a huge wave of disaster following me. And I didn't know which corner I was going to come around and see somebody and that wave was going to come crashing over me and destroy me. Little by little by doing the eighth step and the ninth step, that has disappeared until there is no more wave. I am not afraid to walk around corners. I'm not afraid to run into anybody today because for the most part, I'm sure there are still harms that I've done that I have not made amends for and that I'm not aware of myself. I'm sure there are other people that I've harmed, but, but consciously, there's nobody left. There's nobody left for me to go to except for the people that I harm in the day that I'm in. And if I'm living this program in the day that I'm in, I'm I'm doing what it says in step 10. I'm continuing right here, right now in this moment, continuing to take personal inventory. And when I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. It's a way of life so that the past is cleaned up as it's happening. As it's happening. So when I... I'm short with the cashier at the grocery store. I can walk over to the flower department. I can buy some flowers and I can go back to that cashier and I can say, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I spoke to you like that. But more than that, I would like you to have these flowers because I think that these flowers might add some 
goodness to your life going forward. And so as a way of life, I can clean up the wreckage of my past as I'm making it. And when you pay the price, step nine is all about paying the price for my bad behavior. When you pay the price, when you actually have to do something, not just say you're sorry, all of a sudden the doing of what I have to do to clean up the wreckage of my past is way more painful than stopping the bad behavior in the first place, than being in the relationship with the higher power where it doesn't have to happen. And so that that paying the price in step nine, I know we're not in step nine yet, but that paying the price, first of all, when I do it going, when I look backwards and I do it, it frees me from the bondage of self about all of my bad behavior in the past. And when I do it as it's happening right now, it frees me of my bad behavior right now so that I can actually be happy, joyous, and free free from the bondage of self, free from the self-talking mind that walks out of the grocery store and says, wow, you were such an idiot in there, and then talks to me to my car and keeps talking to me till I get home and talks to me while I'm at home and ruins the rest of my day and maybe my month and maybe my year because I didn't deal with it as it was happening because I know better now. In the past, I thought I could push these things down and just move on and be okay. But alcoholism never lets go. Never. So, I'm going to say this. I have the best life I've ever had right now. I love my life today. I love my life because of these principles. But step eight is, is not a bright light step. It's, it is very, it can be emotionally uh, uh, discombobulating. Uh, because I'm going to look at all the harms I've done. That's not fun. It's my, I enjoy looking at the harms you've done to me. I enjoy, I relish in telling everybody how much you've hurt me. I will go and tell everybody what you did to me. So much fun. But for me to sit down and look at the harms I've done to others, I don't want to do that. I don't know anybody that wants to do that. So, I'm going to stop sharing now. We're going to open the meeting up for sharing, actually. Um, I record the meetings, so if you share it, will be recorded, unless you ask me to not record it. Uh, I try not to read the chat during the meeting so I could stay present. So if you don't want to be recorded and you raise your hand, just tell me when you start. I won't record you. All right, everybody. Denny, you're up. Here, try again. There we go. Yep. Hey, I'm Denny. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Denny. And uh, you can see how desperate I was. Uh, during the meditation, the first five minutes um, I'm doing my meditation process, <clears throat> I smell something funky. And uh, in the bedroom, uh, a couple doors down, my dog, my new puppies, uh, one of them, decided to do a heinous amount of business uh, during meditation that I just couldn't live with. Uh, and I had to clean it up. And um, not yelling and screaming, you know, 
my life, I just go totally numb. And I think if you saw me when I came back, when I turned my video back on, my eyes were just like, uh, I was completely dumbfounded because I had to do this cleanup and, and all this stuff. And uh, it's kind of like a why me thing. But, um, you know, I, I also look in my part as, you know, I took them out three times and they obviously, um, it wasn't the right time. So, uh, or I didn't take them out long enough. So I can't blame them, but um, it still hurts. And I don't know why that it hurts my humanness for, it, it's almost like disrespect. <laughs> and it's so freaking ridiculous. Um, I loved what you read. Me and uh, Randy talked about this um, resentment I had against my parents and especially my mother and um, he asked me a bunch of questions about it and then when we read moreover it is usually the fact that my behavior when drinking and when you added or sober has aggravated the defects of others I have repeatedly strained the patience of my best friends or parents to a snapping point and right then even as a little kid I can understand what my part is in that process and it it lifted this um, this part of um, the resentment even in step eight you know looking at this and then looking at my part because it's like step 10 I guess and seeing my part for what it really is and understanding my mom for the first time by reading this paragraph with you guys and having a, obviously have talked to Randy about it last week or two weeks ago um, this paragraph just saved me my life in a, in the sense I mean it saved my now um, it saved my life now so I can go out and live a good life and not um, one with a little bit of resentment just in the back that I could hold on to this really just snapped and made me feel like a human being again so um, I can't thank the program enough. I can't thank you, Randy, enough. Uh, I can't thank this book enough. And, um, you know, maybe my amends to some of these things is, is cleaning up loads and loads of pee and poo. Um, I don't know. And um, I'm just lucky to be alive because I have thought about that bullet in the brain. Or, um, you know, hanging or whatever. Or just going back and smoking pot. You know, I can't live this way anymore. I need to smoke pot. I can't do this. I have a special reason. Because it's me. And I deserve it. So, that's all I got. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Danny. DJ.
Here, let me try unmuting you again. How about now? Yep. Um, I lost it. Um, You're good. We hear you. That's good. Um, I'm so glad I got here for uh, your for the seventh step prayer um, and the eighth step prayer. Um, I, um, you know, I love this meeting and I love you. I have a a really great story that, that I want to tell. It's short. So five days ago, I uh, made an international call to America to my bank. I wanted to transfer money from America to my account in Bali. And uh, five times, right in a row, it didn't go through. First time, we were disconnected right away. The second time, uh, there was a computer crash on their end. The third time, we were almost done, and then we, we were cut off. And the fourth time, another computer crash. The fifth time, I was really hoping it was going to go through this time. And uh, what the most important thing I want to share here is, I was calm and listening and considerate and never once did a negative thought go through my mind. Hmm. It was extraordinary because this doesn't happen for me all the time, but this time it did. I was, afterwards, I was amazed. And, uh, and it's all because of what I learned here and putting it into practice, putting it into application, P-I-A. And uh, so I want to just thank you, Randy, because I learned so much here. And I, I, you know, I have enough awareness today and intuition that I can put the principles of the program into application. Not all the time, but quite a bit of the time. Thank you so much for sharing. By the way, I called the bank a couple of days ago and the transaction actually went through and it got here yesterday after five days, which is extraordinary. It's usually a week. So. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, TJ. Thank you so much. Thanks. For having me here. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, TJ. Jennifer. Hi. I'm Jennifer. I'm an alcoholic. I'm Hi, happy Jennifer. to be here. Good to see everyone. Um, I thought, you know, fear conspired with pride, you know, for forever, you know, forever that's me. And in, in working this step and, um, and then recently we're going through this step again, um, because I've had relief, I was willing to write everything down, you know, and it, and, and it was more enlightened than it was 30 years ago. You know, much more I see. But I was able to go back to the fourth step and, you know, vamped up on steroids step eight and, and then see, see these patterns, you know, that are so, I'm so rooted in um, that really came to light in, in six and seven. You know, and where I'm, where I'm not willing to do anything about it, 
or haven't done, are not continuing in step seven. Um, but it is, but that, that fear is changing to fearlessness and that I'm willing to do anything because I've had relief and it's gotten better, so much better. Like you say, my life is, it brings me to tears. So I can't could, have not imagined and it's not things, um, but it's the restoration of relationships and love and these these things I I didn't work for that are being given to me because of staying in this literature and in meetings and and chairing meetings and and loving the program as um, a means of um, being in relationships being in this world and not thinking I'm above or below but kind of in the middle. Um, I've never wanted to be in the middle. I've wanted to be way above or way below, you know, because it's the, the flip side of the same coin. Um, so I see where I've been in fear my whole life, fear and pride my whole life. And um, yeah, I'm just repeating myself. It's, um, it's um, the relief, you know, and feeling um, that I'm lovable and I can give it, you know, and be in these relationships in a healthy way. Um, that's making the day go quickly. Mm. You know, that, that day used to be long, you know, and the nights were even longer, but not anymore. I'm looking forward to getting my feet on the ground. So thank you so much. Nice. Thank you, Jennifer. All right. It's 1215. Who's next? Yes, Rick. Hey, Rick, alcoholic. Hi, Rick. Nice to see everybody today. Um, yesterday I learned that a man's got to know his limitations. Um, we talk about sometimes that we shouldn't let ourselves get uh, hungry, tired. There's a, whole, there's a whole series, there's an acronym, and it doesn't come to me. Um, so I had to take my wife to the hospital uh, for a scheduled surgery yesterday, got there at like 5 a.m. looking for parking. Um, parking was difficult because it was dark, there was construction, and I ultimately had to go to three different lots and pay to get out of two, the first two lots to get to the third lot to get to the right lot. So by this time we were late and I was, you know, pretty See, happy. Stop playing uh, trying to stay emotionally treated, you know, once we got in, got everything good, I was good. A uh, long day. Surgery went well, taking the wife home, end the day, tired, just want to relax. Got, went out, got the wife dinner for us, really in a good place. Phone rings, and I've learned in AA that phone rings and something, you don't necessarily have to answer it. We're always talking, you always have to, if I'm not in a, if I'm not in a treated place, it's not going to help that person either. If I answer the phone, I'll pissed off. So I'm like, you know what? I'm really tired. I want to have dinner, want some peace. Didn't answer the phone. Rings again, rings again. And I'm like, enough. And so I unplug it. This is the house phone. Come upstairs. The cell phone starts ringing. I'm like, enough. You know, and it's just, you know, it's someone sending my wife flowers and they can't find her house. And, you know, it was a nice thing. And I just exploded. My wife was really sad. She's like, oh, yeah. I learned that even though I tried not to 
not to answer the phone, but this whole thing was out of my control. Um, it reminded me that God, my higher power, is in charge, and that I need to just sit back and turn it over and go, um, you know, I just need to turn it over and say, God, what do you want me to do right now? Um, help me to be kind, giving, be of service. I was in my own head, and, um, you know, I just learned, even though after a full day, after trying to do the steps and everything, I, uh, I just needed to pause. And that's actually, now I think about it, what I should have done. When we're irritable and restless, we pause and we ask for the right. I didn't do that. I didn't pause. If I had stopped for a moment and said, how can I be of service, taking myself out of myself, would have been fine. But I was once again ego and prideful, and I'm going to run the show. So I had to make an amends to my wife. As Irani was saying, I did my 10th step. I saw the problem in the moment. It didn't end up in my nightly inventory because I dealt with it in the moment I was in and moved forward. So I am grateful for this program. I'm grateful to being able to turn over to, to a higher power and realize when I screw up and when I need to make an amends in the moment that I am, I do it because I don't want to have to deal with it later. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. I hope your wife's having a speedy recovery. Oh, I said, thanks, Rick. I hope your wife is having a speedy recovery. Uh, and Didi. Yeah, hi, my name is Didi. I'm an alcoholic. I'm hi, Didi. I, you know, as he was saying some things when he was sharing. I was shaking my head, and I forgot all, all about it already. I mean, talk about being present, right? <laughs> Jesus, but it's in there, it's in there. And you were talking about the, you know, going back to the cashier and, you know, saying, just apologize. I have this story, I I was really pissed about something with my phone, my, my, uh, um, my computer, it was a while ago. And I was so angry, I couldn't get through to somebody and I was getting rageful and rageful, whatever, not rageful, but angry. So I said, you know, I'm going to go in person. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I put on my Puerto Rican hat. I'm going to go in person. I went in there to the office and, uh, and they're trying to type my account number and they couldn't find it. Right. So I am like, by this stage, I'm like total self-righteous and, and, uh, and then I look up and I'm in the wrong carrier, you know, <laughs> it was not, I look up and it says time one. And I knew that it was not even my carrier. And, and when he said, I can't find your account, I, at that point I look up, I knew it was not my carrier. That's why they couldn't find me. And I couldn't say, I'm sorry. Instead, I started like, shit, that what's wrong with you people. And, you know, and I'm walking out thinking, oh my God, <laughs> I was like, shaking my head and then i call my sponsor from outside oh you know what i did but i couldn't go back and say i'm sorry it was you know and but but i'm glad i had that lesson because it taught me a lot it taught me first of all how much i still needed to change you know and how i wanted to do it different next time but i wish i would have changed like that minute and say i'm sorry you don't you can't find it because you don't you know i don't even have your you're not my carrier anyway but yesterday I was walking and I was on my cell phone just reading a text and this woman was passing she wasn't even close to me and I look up 
and all of a sudden she's giving me a dirty stare, right? So I'm like, you know, I went like, what, you know, like, she's giving me a dirty stare, and then she passes by me and said, you need to wake up, stop with that self, you know, whatever. And I couldn't just keep walking. I said, and you need to get a freaking life. How about that? And I'm thinking, Jesus, why can't I just let it, you know, why can't I just, you know, it, it becomes about winning a fight that I don't have to fight. It becomes about, I'm going to show to you, you can't get up, you know, and whatever. But then I started walking away and thinking, oh, and I had to say it a couple of times. So it wasn't just one time, just to make sure she heard me, you know. And I uh, and said, so, you know, but then my higher power came in and said, you don't know what anybody's going through. You don't know who in her life passed away or is sick or how angry she is or, you know, whatever. It has nothing to do with you. So anyway, but then the other voice said, I'm good. I know who, where she lives. I'm gonna, just going to, you know, whatever. I'm going to go in front of her building. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so. That's, that's always those two voices, right? Anyway, it's good to be here. It's good to do the meditation. It's good to see I still have a lot of work. Mm. Even when, like like Paul said, keep coming back, I was, how dare you to tell me to keep coming? You know, I just, I poor it came out. So anyway, so uh, because it felt like a judgment. It felt like I'm broken, and that's why you keep telling me to come back. But I'm not broken. I'm just healing one day at a time. So uh, it's good to be aware. I pray for awareness, and then I get it, and then I feel, no, that's not the kind of awareness I want. I want the awareness of the healing one. And Anyway, I'm going on. It's good to be here. Thank you, Randy. I'm pretty sure I'll remember at 3.33. Oh, that's what Randy said. So thank you. Thanks, Didi. Can I make a suggestion? Nobody had their hand up, so real quick, I'm just gonna do this. You, uh, you can hate me if you want to, but I would suggest that you go somewhere, maybe like a pizza shop and buy a pizza and take it into the wrong carrier and give them a pizza and just say to them, you know what? I know you guys get grief all day long from customers. Here's a pizza, I hope that y'all enjoy yourself. It doesn't matter if the same people are there or not, doesn't matter, but you will be free from that experience, if you will do that. That little willing to go to any length, just a little tiny length. And then you'll never have to tell that story again. The story you'll get to tell is how good it felt when you paid the price. Because it, if I don't take them a pizza, I will do that again the next time it's offered because I've never paid the price. And I've never had the feeling of making that amends. So I would encourage you to do that. Go to a random... <laughs> It doesn't even have to be the same store, but if it happened recently, yes, of course, go to that same store and do that. Uh, why not? Why? It's it's going to make you feel better, and they might feel better too. So, um, some people had their hands raised. Who's up? Okay, Paul. Hi, Paul. Um, I, uh, I primarily raised my hand to say to Dee Dee, sorry I made a joke that uh, right. you the wrong way. Um, right. I have nothing but admiration for you 
and anybody who has forged it. So, wow, amazing. But while I'm here, <laughs> I will say that um, on page 78, I, I've underlined, bracketed, circled every time for years this line. Let's remember that alcoholics are not the only ones bedeviled by sick emotions. And what it, um, I mean, E.D.'s story brought that to mind, but oh, there are many things that bring that to mind. And, and it's, it reminds me of, um, you know, as alcoholics, we are an extreme example of self-run, will run right. I think as alcoholics, we are an extreme example of, of being human. Um, a lot of the instincts are just like, it's not like people who are not alcohol, who don't have alcoholism don't have these qualities, but in the case of my, in myself, they're just like off the chart. Randy, you often talk about, uh, you know, you stay away from bees because you're allergic to bee stings. And, you know, a bee, if it's, I don't know anybody who does not have a reaction of some sort when they are stung by a bee, but as a beeaholic or whatever, with beeaholics or whatever you want to call it, when you're stung by a bee, you have an extreme reaction. You're, and I think that's the way uh, I am vis-a-vis uh, -vis other people. So that I try to keep this in mind. It doesn't, I mean, it's not always in mind, but I can see, um, I often can see my disease in others, even if they're sober, even if, I mean, even if they're not alcohol, don't have alcoholism, um, it's just a matter of degree. And it doesn't mean if I have it worse that they don't get any sympathy, they get as, they get as much of a pass as I think I would like to have. So, um, I just want to bring that up and DD, congratulations on 40 years. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. All right, Joan, you got two minutes. Okay. <laughs> Joan, alcoholic mind. Hi, Joan. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I just uh, say yesterday I uh, actually was able to just let God run everything, and it was wonderful. I had stuff I planned to do, and and it changed, and I just went with it. And uh, I was in the, the grocery store, uh, whatever they call it now, <laughs> supermarket. And um, I kept, you know, just waiting, getting these intuitive thoughts about, you know, avoiding something or doing so. It was wonderful. And today I'm right back in the shitter again, you know, it's just like, I guess, it, like you said, it doesn't carry over from the day before. So, you know, hard, very hard today. Um, mm -hmm. It's just about our minds. I mean, it just reminded me sort of what Dini was saying, uh, except this was inside. When I, um, as you know, more people weren't wearing masks after COVID, I continued to do it. I went out to mail a letter, walked to a mailbox, and right away, my this before I got with you, um, thinking 
somebody says anything, okay, say, you know, fuck you and fuck the horse you rode in on. And, you know, this whole thing, all the way of just, you know, this fight. When I have this fight with somebody. And actually, you know, I agree with Paul that everybody, you know, is, is there. But I told a, a friend of mine who, and she said, wow, what a painful way to live or something. So I think there's somewhere, to, at least with me, where I'm just like off the charts of, of some of the people. So anyway, uh, it was great yesterday. <laughs> and thank you for, for everything and everybody here. That's it. Thanks, John. Well, I will say this. You can all have a great rest of your day today. It starts right now. You don't have to self-talk anymore today, right now. You don't have to. You probably will. Just like that meditation, it's so hard to just breathe with your eyes closed without that self-talking mind chiming in. But you can turn right now, always right now. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are, this is the thought that must go with me constantly. All right. So that's all the time we have today. I appreciate you all so much. It was so nice to see all your faces. Happy birthday, uh, Kathy and Dee Dee. That's awesome. And by the way, probably has nothing to do with their long-term sobriety because I only met them recently, but they both did come to a retreat once. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to take a moment of silence and then I will unmute everybody and we'll do the serenity prayer together. Thank you. Okay. If you'd like to unmute yourself, you can. God. God. Grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to change the things I can. I will not mind you. I will not mind you. Thank you, Thank you. Well done, Stephen. Yeah. It's a great meeting. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Bye. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Nice to see you all. Always a great meeting here. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. All Thank right. You. How you doing, Michael? Uh, you're muted. You're muted. Here, try now. Muted. You're still muted. Can't unmute you. You're permanently muted. Hey. There you go. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey. Thanks. Um. You okay? Yeah. I. Yeah. Good. I'm good. Good. Um. <laughs> I was gonna call you uh, after the meeting, okay. But but I can chat now if you want. Okay. All right. Uh, um. Yeah. So 